Good morning. It's a privilege to be with you this morning and to enjoy the opportunity of uh, just sharing in this time. Uh, I uh, am a missionary and was for eight years in Australia. And in Australia, we, uh, I was involved with the Victoria Baptist Bible College. I was the principal for seven of those eight years and chief lecturer at that time. Uh, and uh, being finals week, it just reminded me of uh, the, uh, you know, uh, I gave a few exams in my time. I didn't realize until after I left Australia that they had a nickname for me. One of the nicknames they had for me was the Smiling Assassin. Uh, well, I do smile. I didn't realize it, but anyways, I am involved in missions now in an unusual approach to missions, and it is my opportunity to share that tonight in the service, and I understand that you will be there as well, so I'm not planning to cover a lot of what I will be covering this evening. Uh, just give you the blurb on it right this moment. In those countries that do not grant a missionary visa to our traditional missionaries. In those countries, what we're trying to do in this ministry called Advance is to challenge the national churches in those countries to become the sending church of their missionaries. And then partner with them, not sponsor them, but partner with them to help them send their missionaries out to the places that we cannot go, and as they as churches would fulfill the Great Commission, send their missionaries across borders into countries we may never get into. And that's the basic principle and philosophy, and I have the opportunity to share that with you this evening. For this morning, though, I'd like to take a slightly different approach, uh, since I don't need to repeat it, tonight, uh, but you'll, you'll see some things that will come across as a result, and even some of the illustrations I might have time for will come out of what I am involved in and doing, and hoping that you'll see uh, clearly in the session this evening. What I want you to do is I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, to a very, very familiar verse I'm sure that you are fully aware of. I uh, recognize, uh, as I've been talking with uh, Brother Gilmore, uh, that this church has in large part, and so therefore this school has in large part, uh, the mentality and philosophy that I'll be sharing. Uh, and I'll be just looking at some different angles of what they're hoping to accomplish through this church. But I also recognize that not all of you are from this church. In fact, I've met a couple of people from South Bend and even one from Hungary, I think. And so I recognize that, uh, you know, you, there are multiple churches assembled here this morning or representatives of multiple churches. And that's what I want to do. I want to talk to the church. I want to talk to your church. I want to talk about your church. And I want to talk about your involvement in your church as it relates to missions. And first this morning, I want to talk about the church, your church, and then second, I want to talk about the missionary who might possibly potentially be your missionary or might potentially be you. Now, I recognize in this uh, size of a group, uh, we're probably the ones that will go from here as missionaries are relatively few. 
And so the vast majority of you are going to go home to your church and serve there, or you're going to be called to some other church and serve there. And so I have in this hour an opportunity just to talk to the churches, both current, where you are, and future, where you will be, about the few in here who you might send out as missionaries. Can I do it that way? I want to talk to you, first of all, about your church, and I really want to ask this question, where is the church? Because I'm a little bit concerned about where the church is related to missions. Where is the church? A lot of times, and I, in fact, I, I, I realize our biblical ministries worldwide is for me an excellent mission agency because they simply facilitate High Point Baptist Chapel and Doug Combs to do what High Point Baptist Chapel and Doug Combs believe God's called us to do. There is no second organization. There is no two heads that I have to deal with. There's only one head I have to deal with, and that's Pastor Paul at High Point Baptist Chapel. But I thought a lot of times I'm afraid that missions has been co-opted to some agency. And again, I ask you, where's the church? And then when I go to some of these countries, I find that there is no agency. And so the question immediately flows to, where's the church? Where's the church? With a lot of national believers coming to our country to raise money from our churches, to have some organization facilitate it back to them, I, my first question is, where's the church? Who sent these people? And will they go back and serve under the auspices of their church? Where's the church? Can I ask that one more time? Where's the church? I have you going to, um, I hope that's going to work. Yep, it did. I'll go back like that. Well, I have to go to the Great Commission. I'll go ahead and give you that. Great Commission is given to us five times. I hope you know where they are in each one of these books. I've asked you to turn to one. Each time that the Great Commission was given, he had a reason for doing so. And I've just kind of given you what I think is the reason for why he gave it in Matthew, why he gave it in Mark, gave it again in Luke, gave it again in, in John. And then finally, just before he ascended into heaven, he gave the last one in the book of Acts, Acts 1.8, which you're very, very familiar with. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The distinction of the church is that the Holy Spirit is in you, not just with you as the Old Testament. He's in you, giving you the power to do whatever God calls you to do. Well, what does he call you to do? And you shall be witnesses unto me. Number one priority for God's plan for you and your church is that you be a witness. Be a witness unto me. And then here's the strategy. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God has given his command. Jesus has declared to his disciples that is passed down to you and I. Get busy because you're meant to be a witness to the world, to your world. I click and I give you just these few little thoughts as you, as you think through uh, the uh, you personally are responsible for the Great Commission. Now, I understand when I go to these countries and I'm standing in front of national churches, I'm doing the exact same thing I'm doing here today. 
In fact, tonight, what I will share tonight is the exact same thing because I challenge these national churches that they are just as responsible for the Great Commission as the Western or American church has ever been. And my challenge to them is, you are responsible. Uh, you're responsible as an individual. You're responsible as one of two things. You're either going to be the sent or the sender. And senders don't sit back. you got a job to do. Just because you sent them and put a dollar in the, in the offering doesn't mean you finished. You're a sender. There's something for you to do. And then as a local church, God has put the local church in charge of this uh, uh, period of time. I believe that the church is God's plan for this age. Amen? Amen. Let's stop doing things as individuals and start doing things as churches. Individuals within churches, but I, the plan of God centers around the church. And I hope you catch that as an emphasis. The, uh, you are responsible to do that. Now, here's a, here's a picture for you. I take uh, the, uh, this strategy of Acts 1-8, trying to picture it, picture it with these national believers and national church leaders. I do the same. I, I, I think of it like taking a stone and throwing it into the water. What happens when it hits the water? And don't say splash. What happens? It ripples. As Jesus gave the Great Commission to the disciples, what did he do? He said, beginning in Jerusalem. That was Luke chapter 24. Here he says, in Jerusalem, starting in Jerusalem, let the gospel ripple out to Judea. From Judea, let it ripple out to Samaria. From Samaria, let it ripple out to all of the, your world. That's what he was gave them as their strategy, and you follow the book of Acts, and that's exactly what they did. Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches in where? Jerusalem. Acts 2 through 7, you're dealing with Judea. Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to where? Up to Samaria, right? And, from the, and then uh, Peter in uh, Acts 10 goes to the Cornelius, and Paul in Acts 13 goes to the world. It's exactly what happened. They began in Jerusalem and took the gospel to their world. Now, it's no different for you and I. It doesn't matter where I am in the world. I just take the moment to say, let's talk about Menominee Falls. Because for you, I don't, you know, you're from South Bend, you're from Hungary, you're from wherever. I don't, you know, that doesn't matter. Right at the moment, today, right here, Jerusalem is Menominee Falls. All right, when you go home, you just change the names. All right? But right now, let's just think about it. Here you are, you're in your Jerusalem, Menominee Falls. From Menominee Falls, let it ripple out to Wisconsin. From Wisconsin, let it ripple out to all of the United States of America, the largest English-speaking mission field in the world. And then from the United States, let the gospel go out to every country outside. That's the Great Commission for you. When I'm in uh, Lahore, Pakistan, I say to them, I, you know, here you are, Lahore is your Jerusalem. From Lahore, let it go out to the Punjab. From the Punjab, let it go out to all of Pakistan. And from Pakistan, let your, for you, sitting here in Lahore, the Great Commission is that you would take it to every country outside of the world. You are responsible for the Great Commission and need to get involved in, uh, in fulfilling that Great Commission. 
Here then becomes uh, four questions for, well, I'm uh, sorry, I forgot about these two things. I, again, the church, get the local church involved. Kind of started with that. Let me just reemphasize it once again, the church. Where is the church? Get the local church involved, and particularly get it involved as the sending church. Every one of your churches that you go back to, every church that you start or that you become a later of, is meant to be a sending church, according to the Great Commission. Here's uh, these questions I want to ask. What are you doing in your Jerusalem? Today it's not South Bend or some other place. Today it's Menominee Falls. And boy, do you have an opportunity coming up over these next few days as you approach a season when people are actually thinking about religious things. They'll soon forget. But for the moment, your Jerusalem is calling you and asking, what are you going to do today? Have you, got a, have you got a track in your pocket ready to go? You go out to eat? Go somewhere? Go to the gas station? Got a track ready to go? What are you doing in your Jerusalem, Menominee Falls, today? And throughout the rest of this week and on beyond that. Here the next becomes the next question, who are you preparing? I talked to these people in Lahore and I says, who, who from this congregation are you planning to go up to some place in the Punjab? Who, who, from, from this country, and I, I preached in 18 churches in that country, in that city, locality. To each one of those churches, who, who are you preparing to go to some other part of Pakistan, to Hyderabad, or to Karachi? Who, who are you planning in this church, in this group of people, who are you planning Right now, and preparing and looking around and thinking, God wants our church to send missionaries. Who are you thinking about that would go out to some other country like India or China? Again, I'm in Pakistan, all right? In Menominee Falls to go to what country? What Who are you preparing to go out and do that task? Where is the church? Are you involved in sending church? What, and now here's a couple of questions though. If you're gonna send missionaries, not just anybody does. Just, don't just, you know, I had, uh, I had this conversation with a couple of the church leaders because they're, they're selecting the missionaries. We'll talk about that tonight. They're selecting their own missionaries. And I made the comment to them, please, 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 do not pick someone just because they need a job. Pick someone with the eyes of an evangelist. Someone who's going to go out and they're going to do something for God. So what do you expect of the missionaries? Ever wonder what they do? Or if they're doing anything? Come on, church. What do you expect them to do? And the uh, question would be, next question would be, how long do you expect them to stay? Because we've got a real problem with attrition. People going, spending five years to get to the mission field, and a year later they come home. Sorry? What happened? Who, who fell down? And where did they fall down? How long do you expect them to stay? 
Well, when I was in uh, Vietnam, I had the privilege of teaching a class, and they had to take a test. And uh, that class, well, here was my title of the class, How to Be Ascending Church. I'm not sure if you have such a class. That's probably surely incorporated somewhere along the line. But I came up with four S's, not very often to alliterate. But it, come, it came together this time. First, first one is select. Selecting your missionary. Second is supporting. Third is send. And finally, the fourth is sustain. Let me just take you through this for a few moments, church, and ask you about your church in relationship to how to be ascending church. Let's talk about select. Choose the right people. Who are the right people? Well, again, let me just give you the four sort of things that I have utilized as I think about selecting people. Again, I, I, you know, we, uh, I love the song. It's in, uh, in perhaps, I didn't look. Volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true. Others have enlisted. Why not you? I'm not sure that's the best idea. I think we need to be a little bit more selective. I talk about uh, in Australia, they have the cricket. Uh, and uh, there's 11 guys on the field, and there's a 12th person just in case somebody gets injured. Well, I, I blew it when I first got there trying to talk about cricket. I had no idea what I was talking about. And uh, they, they informed me that I had no idea what I was talking about. But here's one thing that I do know. They didn't just take volunteers for the national cricket team. There was a rigorous selection process that took a vast amount, well, uh, I'm going to get wander off here. Uh, willing servants of God trained by mature saints. Get, get involved, church. You trained them, right? How well did you train them? Recognized by the local church. I, I, I might say to you, listen, I'm, I'm not here to uh, recruit you. Actually, I'm not. I might try to recruit your teachers. But I'm not here to recruit you because you're not ready. And just because you finish college or you finish seminary, you're not ready. Stop. Go home. Prove to your church that you're worthy and let them recognize you as someone who should go to the mission field. Let's send mature people who are experienced leaders in their churches to the mission field. Led by the Spirit then to the mission field. Let's talk about support. Support usually is talking about money. Sorry, I don't think that's the first thing you talk about when you talk about support. Turn your Bibles quickly to Philippians chapter 4. I just want to highlight the, the, the passage. I don't have the time to preach it. But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, you can read it later for yourself. There is both non-financial and financial support. And I believe the non-financial is more important than the financial. If God's in it, he'll provide the funds. The question is, is do you care? Hello, church. Do you care? In this passage that's often, Philippians 4, Paul's uh, thanking the church for their giving. He's, he's just thanking them for being behind him. You know, the most important verse is there in verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you also lacked uh, uh, also were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Most important 
part, and there's things that I talk about, is the question, do you care? And the, obviously these people cared about Paul, and they cared about the people that Paul was reaching out to. Now here's the outline. I, I don't have the time. Here's the outline. You read down through the passage, here's what you get at the end. Because you care, you gave. I took, Paul says, I took that money and won souls. Those souls were added to your account. And our God said to the donors, I will meet your need. He didn't say that to Paul. He said that to the donors, I will meet your need. Hey, that's a good reason for giving the missions. Think about that, man. Because you care, you gave and... I use the money, win souls, those souls got added to my account, and God promises to meet my need. Where, where can I, where, where's, my, where's my wallet? Right? How can, but I want you to back up, back up, back up, back up. Because the only important statement, the, the priority statement in that is, do you care? Because you care, Philippians, here are the results. The evidence of your, of your care was you gave. The fruit of your care was souls. The, uh, the result of that was God, God added them to his account for you, and he promised. They're all results of one thing. What is it? Because you care. Because you care. And I think that if you just kind of wander in and wander out, and you hope that your church will be behind you, and they'll be there, and whatever, and you don't have them behind you 150,000%, you could be in trouble. All right, get their support. What kind of support? Their care support. That's where it comes. It's when it comes to sin, uh, you know, I, I could go on for hours on this one. What's the plan? What's the plan? What do you expect of these people? What's the plan? Uh, you know, the, the uh, things that I, I talk about when I talk about this are, oops, get back there. I, I talk about vision. What, what is it that you really think that you're going to accomplish? I had an Australian pastor say to me two years into my time, he said, he came to me and he said, what's the plan? That's why I use that phrase all the time, because I spent the next six years figuring out there wasn't one. And I'm not in Australia today. What's the plan? What's your strategy? What do you, what do you hope to accomplish? Does your plan, does your missionary's plan have a plan that multiplies? It's going to do something. It's going to accomplish something. It's going to do great things because you've sent him at great cost a long ways away. What's his plan? Will it multiply? Multiplication is going to be something that I'm not sure how, how great of emphasis, but it's an emphasis that I put when I make the presentation, what I will talk to you about tonight multiplies, multiplies. And then sustainability. When you leave, missionary, what's left behind? I had a Kenyan pastor say to me, we've had Americans come, we've had them go, and nothing's left. Wow. Is that good? So what's going to be left when you, leave, when you leave? What are you going to leave behind when you go? Then finally comes the stain. Once they're out there, help them stay. Go visit them. 
uh, write them letters, check up on them, get their reports, rejoice with them, evaluate them, because, you know, there's not only, there's a, you hear the word evaluate? Sometimes I hate the word evaluate. Brings me under the scope. I'm not necessarily happy to be brought under the scope. But it's necessary. Evaluate, because not only is the possibility you help them stay, the possibility is that you call them home. Had a, a, a missionary, a church leader in India write to me, and he was afraid that I'd be upset. He wrote to me and said, uh, one of your missionaries that you're helping, we called home because he was ineffective. And, uh, and he thought I'd be upset. I'd be spending all this money, and, and uh, you're sending out a guy who's ineffective. I wrote back to him. I said, that's the best news I've heard. Can't imagine. I can't remember the last American missionary called home for being ineffective. I have to be careful how I say that because I'm probably the first one who should have been called home. If they're not doing the job, I, in Myanmar they called home three men. One, one because he had family troubles. They called him home to fix the problems. Another one because he, he, uh, he went out as a novice. He wasn't ready and they called him home. Third one disappeared. They had no idea where he went to. So what they do? They replaced them with three missionaries who are out there doing the task. Church, that's what you're meant to do. Take care of your missionaries so that they stay long-term or come home, if not. Let's switch over. That's the church, okay? <laughs> Where's the church? I think you probably got that. All right, let's, let's switch over and talk about the missionary that you're thinking about sending. Let's think about missions. Let's think about missionaries who are going. Here's a, here's a little chart that kind of tells you about our world population. Have you ever seen that kind of mapped out for you? One billion people in 1800. That's when missions kind of got started. You know, at least uh, in our sort of terminology. Here we are, 2012, it hit seven billion. I, I was in the car when I first heard the report that, that uh, it might even have been Wisconsin that was in the car. And I heard them say, Population just hit 7 billion. Here we are now, 2019, we're probably at 7.5 billion. Let me ask you a simple question. Are we still doing missions like we did in 1960 when there were only 3 billion people? Are we still doing missions like we did missions in 1800 when there were only 1 billion people? Listen, there are 7.5 billion people out there in your world to be reached. And the record says that our American missionaries in numbers are actually shrinking. Those numbers are going in the opposite direction of, what the, of one another. If we're going to reach our world, we better start thinking about the fact that there's a mass of people to be witness to, to give them the opportunity to make the choice, Buddhism or Christianity, Hinduism or Christianity, Islam or Christianity. Presbyterian and Methodist or whatever other liberal church or Christianity. All right. How are we going to do that? What, what types of things, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm simply offering to you one strategy. And that's not the strategy, but I'm offering you one strategy. And that strategy is simply this. Let's go back to here. 
And let's start out with something that I'd, I'd really like for you to think about. If you write nothing down today, if you write nothing down, write this down, all right? Every missionary goes to someone else's Jerusalem. Is that right? When I go to Lahore, while I'm there, it's my Jerusalem. But when I leave, it's the Jerusalem of the people of Lahore. It's their Jerusalem. It's their church. If as a result of missions or missions efforts of the past. And here becomes the second phrase that I have been pounding, or at least attempting to do so. Get the national local church involved. Turn to them the responsibility that we have already and have always expected and sought to achieve in our church. Here's the question: where's the church? But now I'm talking about the national local church. I, I hear so they, they talk about, and I and I I I think I witnessed it. In my time in Australia, a lot of national believers kind of just kind of sitting there watching Americans work. Really? The whole idea behind advance, I call it advance in kind of like a business sort of, you know, if they like and some of these places when I go in on a tourist visa, if they think I'm a businessman, you know, they're more likely to be a little bit more welcoming. I am on the business of the king, right? So, I can still use the business card, right? It says Advance Inc. Worldwide on my business card. You can have one tonight. That's all I have. Right? But Inc. does not stand for Incorporated. Inc. stands for Inspiring National Churches. That's what we're trying to do. And go out to them. And I say, when I, I, I spend three quarters of my time in, chasing around America, talking to congregations like I'll talk to tonight. And I say to them, I'm, just, I'm here to tell you what I tell them because I'm here to inspire this national church. I'll say that tonight. I'm here to inspire this national, because you're the nationals of America. Aren't you glad I didn't call you natives? <laughs> you're the nationals. This is a national church that you're here as a part of during this period of time. Inspiring national churches. Let's get those national churches and let's tell our missionaries. Go out to the mission field with the idea that, that, uh, that these people, the, the fruit of missionary efforts of the past, uh, you know, in the, some of these countries, there's church after church after church has been planted by American missionaries. What are they doing? Are they sending or waiting for the next American to come along and go out to some other place? Challenging the churches, get the national churches involved. I was supposed to stop. I don't want you to see that quite yet. Again, I want to say, think about multiplication. I, 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 my word for you is not only church, my other word for you is multiplication. Let's think about multiplication. There's a book that came out, and uh, it's uh, written by a fellow by the name of Stefan. It's called the, the Fourth Era of Missions. Not really happy with all the th material in that book. You know, most books, any book but the Bible, you know, you uh, chew up the meat and spit out the bones, right? 
There's a lot of bones in that book to be spit out. But he's got some good stuff in there. One of the things he talks about is a fourth era in missions. <laughs> you know what the first three were? Okay, now I'll give it to you. First era was people who went out and they went to sort of the coastal areas. The coastal areas of Africa was one of the major places where the average lifespan of a missionary was two years. And yet missionaries kept going. Where are those people? Where are those people? Who will know? Some of those people, they, they packed their goods in a coffin. Where are those people? Second era, there was uh, uh, inland. Uh, I, worked, I was with Baptist Missions for a long time. You know what mid means? means inland. And they went into the interior of Africa. That's where they started. Uh, then the third era, era has kind of been, you know, uh, uh, well, we've been, we've been, and we've been, now let's just find those unreached groups. And the focus has all has been, you know, I, the, the people who went to India ignored the Hindus because they have God, you know, they know about God. And they went up to the northeast where they were uh, tribal people, animism, unreached. And that's where a lot of people focused when they first went into India was, uh, was in those areas where unreached people groups are. Now comes this suggestion of a fourth era of missions. And I think that there's a very, the reached to the unreached. We've been working for 200 years. Don't you think there ought to be some, uh, some fruit that we can build off the fruit and challenge the fruit to go do the work? Uh, Keep turning, running away from me on that. I'm almost done. I'll give you back this one here. Uh, I, again, I hope you wrote that down. Just think about that. In the light of a fourth era of missions, he called it the facilitator's era. That's what he called it. It wasn't the fourth era. The, the name of the book is Facilitator's Era by Stefan. Uh, and, and I think facilitating is going to become the priority of missions. Whether that facilitating is training or whether facilitating is the graduates as the ministry that I'm involved in. Getting graduates out to the mission field. But as we, as we think in terms of every missionary goes to some other, here's another statement for you just to think through. It's not about what you will do. May not make the best prayer letters back home. It's going to be about what you get them to do. I made this suggestion to the mission family. I, I've been given uh, uh, the privilege by my director, who's my greatest supporter of what I'm doing, to provoke the, the mission family. <laughs> and I, and I kind of do. One, one provocation that I threw out to them is one thought. Here, let's think about this. Instead of sending a person uh, you know, uh, at, there, there, there's, a, there's a missionary that I heard that his, his support estimate was $11,000 a month. Want to go into missions? Wow. Well, if God's in it, he'll take care of that. But still, think about that. Over 10 years, that's over a million dollars. What are you going to have after 10 years? 
little church of 50 in the suburbs? Is that what you really want? Or how about this? How about taking that church planner who maybe got some church planning experience in the United States, but he doesn't have to go plan a church, but he knows church planning. How about that guy going into some major city and planting himself in the middle of that city, finding four nationals from the local Bible college, and then helping that national plan, a, plan a, one of those missionaries on each corner of the city? And at the end of the day, you'll have four new churches pastored by missionaries, or by, by men who didn't have to transition after you left, which can be a tough thing to do. But you'll have four churches on every corner of that major city. Does that sound like multiplication? Uh, we can come up with some other ideas, but it's not going to be. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that training has become a major element of missions today, though I still see, a, you know, there is room for pioneering. In fact, uh, uh, some of the missionaries that we help through advance, they're going to places nobody's been. They're pioneering in places we can't pioneer. So there's, and there's still room for American missionaries to go to places where, where nobody's been there and, and they can need the pioneer. There's still room for that. But the vast majority of our missionaries today, I believe, should rethink what they're doing and start looking at multiplying through the church, through the national believers. Well, here's my last two comments. It's the same ones. <clears throat> Get the church, the local church involved. Get your local church involved. When you go home, get involved. When you're called somewhere else, get involved in missions. Because it's through the missionaries that you will fulfill the Great Commission. And get the national local church, when they go out to the mission field, let them go out to multiply. Here's the last question. Where's the church? I have stories I could tell. Uh, we're done. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have, the things that we have been able to talk about, and Lord, I pray that it might be a benefit and uh, a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing around the world. Thank you for our missionaries. I praise you, Lord, for what they do. They're good people doing great things. Bless them, Lord. I'm not here to criticize them. Bless them, Lord. Encourage them in their ministries. And for these that go home to their churches, might they do something. And for those who go out to the mission field, might they do something. For the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Very important vision.